0: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, church today. As we uh, dig into the final portions of our remarkable series, now that we've entered into November and uh, we plan on finalizing this series at the end of November before we go into our Christmas series. Can you believe we're getting close to December? It's hard to believe. And uh, but don't don't throw your journals out over Christmas because we'll be doing Second Peter as well as when we come back into the new year because we're seeking to live remarkable lives and and I pray you were encouraged by the song today I want to be different. I want to be changed because that is so so sensitive and so um, perfect for what we're trying to do today in our message. And so if you're working through that I want to be different, something probably has happened to you, okay? You don't just walk around going I want to be different. Uh, you you kind of have to have something happen where you go, I don't want this to happen anymore or this needs to stop. And so we're going to be reflecting on the difference that is often a choice for believers when it comes to living a remarkable life. So thanks for joining us here, at the Communion Sunday as we as we jump back into our remarkable series. What, what do we got today? I want us to go to Spain, uh, Pamplona, Spain, okay and uh, onto the streets. Of Petaluma for a nine-day festival that some of you may have heard about. This has anybody? When I when I put up that image, do you understand what this is? There there is a festival of of San Fermin that goes on for nine days, and the beginning of the festival starts with a tradition called the running of the bulls. And so at eight a.m., a group of caged bulls, a rocket goes off. And into the streets they go, and they are running from their caged imprisonment to the arena. And what's not that odd, if that's not odd enough, is that people jump into the streets and run with them. Some of you are watching this behind me, right? It's going on behind me? Yeah. yeah. And, and believe it or not, people get hurt. <laughs> Fifteen people have died since the inauguration of this, over 100 injuries per year. And if you're watching this going, what idiots would do that? You would probably be somewhat normal. If you're going, I'm not thinking that, you're one of the idiots who would do that. (laughs) Some of you are like, "I, I, I take my shot. Until you see somebody laying there gored by one of these bulls that are running through the streets, this two-and-a-half-mile run to the arenas. I mean, do people realize what they look like when they're running with the bulls? I mean, you look crazy. You're out of control. You're, you're doing these ducking and divings and running along and with the red scarves on there, are very symbolic, but distracting the bulls. And, and you might have various opinions, and I'm not here to question the running of the bulls. I want to use this as an illustration, because how many of us are highly tempted to do things that are bad for us? How many of us are highly tempted to go places we know possible harm will may or most likely will occur? And, and so today, as Peter has targeted age groups. And I kind of joked in the morning service, it seems like Peter wants to grow all people of all ages to a mature faith in Christ like our church. He's targeted husbands and wives. He's targeted young people. He's targeted older women. He's targeted different ages within the church on how they are to live and how they are to submit, how they are to operate. It seems like today's message is especially for that high school student maybe today or that college student, maybe the single life that is carried on. Not to say that we all can't get something from this, but I wanna use the running of the bulls and when I refer to the running of the bulls is doing things that you know God probably wanna approve of, that you know will probably lead to your harm, but you know what, it's just so stinking fun or it's just so cool. And it's why you go to that place on Friday night after the football game. It's why you say yes to that invite, to that party. We want to be a part of some of these things. And our boring parents say things like, you can't do that. It's not okay. It's going to hurt you. You'll shoot your eye out, right? And they're trying to destroy our fun. I remember going to church was often hearing about how to have no fun for the rest of my life. I remember that in high school. I was like, "I'm like, what, what can't I do now? And the Bible became this thing where I looked at it as, can't do that, can't do that, can I do that? Sometimes, as long as grandma doesn't know. Okay, I can do that. Like it was, and, and, and the Bible became so legalistic, even in my mind, like, because it was a list of do this, don't do that. And, and, and I was invited to those things. I did want to be a part of those things, and it was tempting for me. I have a someone close to me at works security, he says, sometimes we see the videos of these parties because we have to go back to them and review them. He goes, people have no idea what they look like under the influence. They have no idea. He goes, you see this on Instagram, people are like, what I think I look like when I'm partying, and they're like this, you know? What do you actually look like? Okay? People don't, they, and they forget. They forget what they looked like when they were running with the bulls. They forget. It's why, like, just take it in your diet. You forget how bad that food made you feel until you stay away from it for a time, and then you go back to it. You're like, whoa, Whopper Wednesday might need to stop, right? Because you're like, I, didn't, I mean, it didn't used to hurt so bad, right? Now, now if, we're re, if we're understanding this, then we know there are just going to be behaviors in our life and things in our life that we want to go to. Ask any leader in a school how many times they've said to a kid hey what were you thinking and they were thinking i want to run with the bulls but it is so dangerous i know but man that was fun or how many times have you seen somebody destroy their life because they said i can run with the bulls once give me some. I can handle it one time. And they run with the bulls one time. And you know what? There was something about that run made them want to go back. Whether they forgot what happened or or the temptation of wanting to feel that adrenaline rush again. And deep inside all us believers, we even sense that old nature sometimes just going, I just want to run with the bulls. And Peter says, no, no. And so, young person, your parents didn't call me and say, talk to you today. Nobody called me. Okay, a couple of you texted me. No, no, nobody did. But young people, I wanna especially talk to you because I think this is a challenge, okay? Because Friday night comes, and I remember the age of you are a loser if you're at home. See, you get married, and you're a loser if you go out when that happens. You, like, just love staying in. We'll be, like, telling our kids, you would go wherever you want. We're gonna be right here, Mom and I. But until you get to the losers we are, you have this temptation, okay? You have this temptation to go, I want to be where it's at. I want to do what other people are doing. And I come to this church and it's such a kill joy. I want to tell you why you're thinking wrong Two, how to get you thinking right. Because in order to change a mindset, you've got to change the way you look at something. And so I want you to just sit back for a minute. Your parents didn't call me, college students, I didn't know you were tuning in today. Nobody let me know. I just want to talk to the person who's already sitting there going, Chris, do you know what I did last night and how I'm currently feeling? Don't let the enemy guilt you. Stay with me. Let's let the Holy Spirit speak. Because Peter's saying, hey, if you want to be remarkable, there are a few things you're going to have to stop. Because when the Holy Spirit comes into the life, Of someone who is a child of God, a change has occurred. There's a difference. And we're called to live with this remarkable difference. And that's our text today. It's 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Peter's going to tell his church, under the oppression of Nero, to live differently. And he's pushing in. Isn't every week Peter's just invading our personal space every week a little bit more? All right, well, he's coming all the way into what you do on the weekends now. And you go, in the Bible? Yeah, yeah. And so let's let them speak. Let's humbly listen. And let's, uh, let's look out. Because I hate to see somebody get gored in here by something they thought they could do just one time. Heavenly Father, use the text today to inspire us to look at running with the bulls, not with this passion and temptation that the enemy wants, but, but help us instead to go, oh, man, A life truly worth living walks in wisdom. It doesn't run with the bulls. And Lord, would you give your people the insight from this text to see that no one will be disappointed if they miss out on running with the bulls. It might look enticing, but when we run into the passions of this world, When we pursue the lusts of the flesh, they imprison us, they entrap us, they identify us, and they destroy us. And there's a lot of 20-year-olds who ran with the bulls that are still feeling the effects of that run in their 40s. Lord, I pray also for those in here who know what it's like to have run with the bulls. They know what it's like to have fulfilled worldly passions and lusts and it's probably still tempts them from time to time to return to it, especially when they're hurt. Would you inspire them to not return to that lifestyle today? May we live different lives. Lord, Lord, may our prayer be, I wanna be different. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, Peter, go ahead. He says this, since... Therefore, okay, so we're hearkening back to last week. Since what? Since Christ suffered in the flesh. Now, in order to interpret this correctly, we have to know that this is not the flesh of Pauline flesh, if you will, or Romans flesh, looking at at the flesh as our sin nature. This is the body. Since Christ suffered in the body, for we know he didn't have that type of flesh, this is his time on earth. How did he suffer? Let's hearken back to our previous week. He suffered for doing good. He turned evil done to him, and he turned it for good. So since Christ suffered for doing good in this body, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. See, when you stay in context, you understand the historical grammatical principles of this verse. It helps you navigate it when it's sometimes on face reading. You can go, what exactly is this saying? It's saying arm yourself with a proper thinking. Things start in the mind, but this arm is interesting. This is the strongest word you can use for defense. So it's like it's like a like arm. It's like a shield. Okay, it's like almost a shield, and, and maybe like a a sword coming out. You know, I'm really drawing today. I only got a couple weeks left. All right. So so I mean the idea is armor that is heavy armor okay? Like, like, it's the, it, it, the word is hoplon. It's the heaviest armor that can be used in the Greek language. Arm myself with like objects? No, no. With thinking. A- a- any coaches in my audience today are listening. How much is the mental game important to an athlete? How much is the mental game important? You will hear coaches label kids based on their mental game. Okay, Whether they have a strong mental composite or whether it's weak, it breaks down under pressure. And a lot of the mental game is what is going on, what they say, between the ears. The kid's got a great talent, but between the ears, he's soft, he's weak. He'll fall apart in big moments. Just say this to him or say that to him. Other teams learn to scheme against that. Peter says, you have an enemy who's scheming against you. Christians, you need to be mentally tough. You need to be really mentally tough or you're going to get pulled aside. And so in order to have a mental game that's locked in, you've got to think differently. I remember working with a young pitcher. We were in a pressure filled game. We needed this kid. He was one of the available arms. And I saw his face did not look good. When when coach said, you're on today, he didn't look good. I pulled him aside. I said, listen, what's going on? That's a great lineup we're facing tomorrow in the big game. I said, I know it's a great lineup, but here's, here's what I want you to do. All you're thinking about is that kid and that person and who's coming up. They don't know you, man. We were in a playoff round. The other team didn't know us. He said, they don't know that you're terrified. And he looked at me like, I said, if you look at it that way, they'll know you're terrified. Okay, here's how I want you to think. He gets his face right. Get your face right. Look at me. Here's how I want you to think. You're looking at life as that lineup is your problem. I gotta get them out. I gotta find a way to get them out. And that's gonna get exposed. I want you to change your mindset, son. I want you thinking, I believe in my stuff. I'm going at them. I'm their problem. They're not mine. He looked at me. I said, you're their problem. They don't know you're terrified. You get up there, you get strong, and you go, I'm coming at you, and I want you to fire first pitch strike. Come right at him. None of this off the side. Right down the throat. Come at him. What am I doing? You're teaching the mental game. His ability's not changing at all. The mental game, I'm saying, I want you to be aggressive. That's all I'm saying. Be aggressive. You attack first. Now, there were times during that game I had to go out. Remember what we said? Uh uh Okay, they're all seeing you right now. But that's part of a young man or a young woman's mental makeup is to grow. Guess what? Believers, we're the same way. There are some believers, when they get under pressure, their game gets tight. There's some believers who go, I, um, I, I really don't want to be called a holier than thou. Um, I really want to fit in with this group. I want them to like me. And we break apart. Peter goes, arm yourself. Come on believers we can't just walk into every stinking trap but the running of the bulls looks fun and all the guys are going and that's what everybody's doing friday night and i don't want to be the only person in the dorm room i don't want to be a loser and all these things come to our head peter says come on be mentally tough believers For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. What's going on here? Let's keep reading first. So as to live for the rest of time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So let's get some context. Whoever suffers for doing good, it often happens because they've ceased from sin. You suffer sometimes when you choose to not do things in the world's eyes. But this idea, ceased, this word here, it's in present tense, which means it's, it's from control, possibly, or from the influences of sin. It's as if the child of God is no longer, this will speak, a slave to sin. They don't have to sin anymore. They can cease from the control it has. It's not their master anymore. They have a new master, and they can cease from its effects. So as to live the rest of time in their bodies... Not running with the bulls, if you will, but walking in wisdom, walking in triumph. You see, many of us got saved at maybe a young age, and so the temptation is to go see what the world is like. For those of you who maybe got saved at an older age, you're gone. you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. I remember, I remember going to Bible college. I came from a public school, and I wanted to straighten my life out. And all these Christian schools, one the kids wanted to explore life for the first time. I'm like, I'm trying to get out of that life, and you're trying to get back into that life. It was almost like I wasn't allowed to, and now I want to run with the bulls. And I was like, I ran with the bulls. You don't want to do it. I don't want to go there. Where, where can I find? And, and no matter where you go, young people, I don't care where you go. You can find any college. There's going to be at least one dorm room that wants to run with the bulls every weekend. You're going to find it. They're like, well, I really went to a great school. That's awesome. But you know this, college students, I'm not preaching to anybody. You know this fully well. There's always a few people who will run with the bulls if you want to. They'll go to the other college campus. They'll do whatever it takes because there's a passion. And, 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 and Peter's going, guys, stop going back to this stuff. It's so bad for you. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin is to live the rest of time in flesh no longer for human passions but for the will of God. You've got to know why to stop in order to change your mental game. And the biggest reason is, I'm gonna speak with a, a pastoral heart hopefully here. I have seen so many of our young people live these awesome lives as kids. Love Jesus go run with the bulls and i'm counseling them at 35 and they're going i knew better i knew i shouldn't have we got to know why to stop sin is an evil evil master young people it doesn't offer fun and enjoyment it offers imprisonment it offers addiction It offers a lack of identity. It offers a being liked for a season and then not for a season. Young people, ask any adult in this room, your high school friends are not usually your lifelong friends. You develop different friendships throughout your whole life. And so I told you, I was gonna target that audience a little bit because I got young people in my house in this age and I see all the temptations on them and I see why they wanna do it. But you have to know why to stop going to that, and it starts in the mind, Peter says. You see, I love an illustration. I call it the envelope illustration. It's always been the reason why believers think differently than unbelievers. It's because they're different. They're no longer in themselves, they're in Christ. And so when I talk about being in something, I always pull out an envelope. You see, when I was 16, I got my driver's license, okay? And um, this is not the driver's license from 16, because at 16, I had hair. Um, but, but this one, okay, um, this is my driver's license. But I remember the first one I got. Is it like junior's permit or something like that? Young people, you got these? And I remember the first time I pulled in to Burger King without anybody in the car but me. I was a boss. I pulled up. I'm like, can you get a Whopper with bacon? Whopper Wednesday? Yeah, looked around the car. No mom guilting me. No dad telling me how to spend my money. Hey, make it two whoppers. Let's go. And, and pulling around. And then they, you know, would you like medium or large? Large. And and, and, and I'm free, I'm free, I got my license, I'm free. And and I learned that this baby goes with you through your whole life. I can't get on an airplane without this thing. I can't, like, like, it it makes up a lot of my identity. They're always asking for this my whole life. Now, the picture changes, but the information doesn't. The address did. But it's kind of like it represents my identity. You see, here's where the devil wants to mess with all of us in our identity Okay, Girls, if he can get you to believe your identity is that picture, he can destroy your life. Guys, if you want, if that identity is wrapped up in how big that house address is, he can destroy your life. He wants to destroy your identity. And he starts in the mind. You go, really? Well, let me ask you this. If the devil is in the business of going after our feelings and how we feel then we've all wrestled with at least one of these feelings I'm going to pull up, okay? This this is some of the information we use in our counseling ministry. Um, How many of these things have you wrestled with at one point in your life? I feel like a failure. I feel like a failure. That guy's a failure. Ready? I feel like I cannot change. I, I, I feel like I can't change. I mean, I try to change. I feel like I can't. I feel rejected and worthless, you can show me the most beautiful girl walking through your high school and she could possibly feel completely worthless. You could show me the biggest stud on the team and there is a chance inside that head he feels completely worthless. Why? Because his dad told him so. It's unbelievable how the enemy even uses people to shape our feelings, I feel shameful and guilty all the time. I feel shameful. I'm just so shameful. Hoodie up, headphones on. I feel shameful. I just, I'm hiding stuff. I I, I feel too weak to resist sin. Like I want to resist sin, but I'm too weak. You should see me. I say, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then I do it. See, in me, I can't do anything. I can't. Apart from Christ, guess how much you can do? Nothing. Nothing. So keep trying. It's going to be a miserable life of legalism. Or try hardism. And the Christian life is so defeating that way. It's so like, oh, I don't wanna, okay, but when we start thinking right, we get our mental game right, we start realizing I'm in Christ. How many times have you read in scripture, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, you have been given a new life. In Christ, it is no longer I who live, who Christ who lives in me. In Christ. We see Paul, he loves this phrase, in Christ. So what I did is I took an envelope and I said, this envelope says, in Christ. This is Christ. My identity has to be enveloped by being ready in in Christ. In Christ, I am able to be remarkable. Get me out of Christ. Get me living for myself. Let me live in for my former passions. There's nothing remarkable about me. But when I'm understanding my head game's right, Chris is in Christ, my prayer life changes. I'm not a failure, but I feel like one. I feel like one. You can't trust your feelings. Feelings will lie to you. The truth doesn't. I might feel like a millionaire. Go check my bank account. It's not truth. Feelings don't determine truth. And so if I'm in Christ, I'm remarkable because of me? No, because of Christ. And therefore, I'm not failure. I'm victorious in Christ. he will change your prayer life. God, I know I'm such a failure. What are you talking about? You're in my son. Huh? You're in my son, Jesus Christ. When I look at you, Chris, I see Christ. You do? Yeah. Stop calling myself a failure then. Yeah. Because my son's a winner and you walk with him feeling pretty good about that. Might change the way I feel about my entire week. I I, I feel like I cannot change. What are you talking about, Chris? Christ changed you. You can change. Look who you once were and look even where you are now. Oh, I can't change. By myself? No, no. And that's what the enemy wants me to do. Through Christ, I can do all things but I gotta be in Christ and I have to see myself in Christ. I feel rejected and worthless. Child of God, stop telling God you're rejected. I'm so rejected. No, you're not. You're truly loved and valued. I I feel shameful and guilty. You're blameless in Christ. You have been forgiven all your past, present, and future sins. You're forgiven, child of God. The reason you confess your sins is because you want a close relationship with him. You've heard me say it before. All my kids, when they get a jersey, their last name, it says Heller on it. Because positionally, they're my children. They stand positionally a child of Chris and Rebecca. Okay? But when they do something specifically against dad's will, there's a relationship damage, isn't there? And they say, I'm sorry, dad. And the relationship is restored. That's why we confess our sins. I'm forgiven. I'm going to heaven regardless of what I choose to do tomorrow, positionally. But relationshipally, in Christ, I'm blameless before him. So I come to him and say, God, forgive me for that. You're forgiven, Chris. Thank you for saying that. That's what I've asked you to do. Now let's go get him. Instead of living three months going, I'm such a loser. I'm such a failure. Stop calling yourself something that's not your real identity. Or you're telling Christ's sacrifice, it's not good enough. I'm too weak to resist sin. Through Christ, you can do anything. You are empowered because we're called to be remarkable. Therefore, we know why to stop doing past behavior because we've been called to live differently. Arm yourself. I'm victorious in Christ. Arm yourself. I'm changed in Christ. I can change. I don't have to keep living this way. Christ, help me change. Arm yourself. I am valued in Christ. I am dearly loved. It does not matter what those kids at that lunch table say about me. It doesn't matter what that professor just said about me. I am valued in Christ. Arm yourself. I'm blameless in Christ. You can't guilt me and shame me. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Arm yourself. I'm empowered by Christ, and I can overcome this through his strength. Peter goes, now get out there. That's the mentality. I mean, Peter's a dog. He wants to go get it, for the past has come, for for the the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. They live in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Peter, I got children here. What is going on when Peter makes a list? He's saying, look, I know some of the things you're doing, and it's got to stop. You see, see here's a here's a phenomenal truth we all got to get our hands around and y'all know this, I'm just going to put it in words. When we say yes to something, we also say no. When I said yes to Rebecca, Okay, I checked with her first. She said yes to me first. But when I said rest to Rebecca, I said no to pursuing any other girl because I said yes to her. Young people, that's why that guy's like, hey, you're still texting that guy? I mean, we've been dating for like three months. Why? Because he wants you to say yes to him and no to other people. You say, I got to keep that available just in case I don't like you anymore. And that's the difference between that kind of relationship and something that's a covenant relationship. But in a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, when I say yes to the Bible and its truth, I say no to stuff like this. And Peter lists them. He goes, this is running with the bull stuff. Look at this. Sensuality. That's all fornication. That's all sexual activity outside of marriage. Oh, you a hater if if somebody has different sexual things? No, I'm not a hater. I've said yes to what the Bible said. So I need to say no to what the Bible does not say. Doesn't make me a hater. It makes me standing up to saying yes for something. Any fornication, pornography, lust—two of the biggest running the bulls problems for boys and girls. Okay, Instagram will prove this to you. With boys, their biggest struggle is voyeurism. That's this. Okay, wait. Let me change that. With men, let me stop saying boys. With men, the biggest struggle is voyeurism. And ladies, they're set up to defeat. They're set up. Forty years ago, you at least had to hope your dad had a subscription. Now, they walk around in their pocket, men, all the time, with with someone who is more than willing to take their clothes off for them at all times. I mean, men are so set up to fail. And girls, you know how to get more likes. You know how to get more views. And that's why for girls, it's such a temptation to be an exhibitionist. For boys, it's voyeurism. For girls, it's, look at me. Look at all those likes. You're so pretty. You're so pretty. Felt good. That image didn't get a lot, so I must be ugly. And the devil's (laughs) going, let me get that identity. Let me pull that out of that girl. Let me pull that out of that guy. I'm going to identify them. And and, and God's saying, Peter's saying, no, 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 stop doing that. And he lists passions, materialism, addiction, substance abuse. You can scroll through any social media and somebody stand in front of a Maserati in a swimming pool going, if you just click here, I'll tell you how to get it. Because we're driven towards those things drunkenness. It's not a gray area in scripture. It's habitual intoxication. It's got to go, Peter says, orgies. I mean, Peter, what were these people doing? I'm just going to move ahead. Okay. Um, drinking parties. Okay. (laughs) Places and gatherings known for drunkenness. I mean, I would hear adults say, look, if I don't show up at five, everybody, all my friends, all my coworkers are going to be plastered by eight. So I got to get there at five so I can get out of there before eight. I mean, we know these places where we're going. A lot of you were like, wait, wait, that's in the Bible. Like it literally says drinking parties, parties only for the idea of getting drunk. Lawless idolatry, any worship of rebellion or evil or pagan. Peter's just listening to it. And he says, with respect to this, They're surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. Here's what's interesting about this verse. Underneath this, I tell you, there's Greek underneath the English here, okay? You just got to imagine it. This is literally this. With respect to this, they are, ready? You see, surprised, right? It's actually to take offense, With respect to this, they take offense when you do not, ready, run with them in a euphoric stampede of pleasure-seeking, thus the running of the bulls illustration. They are offended when you do not run in the same euphoric celebration of pleasure, and they malign, the word means slander and speak evil of you. Have you seen believers spoken evil of because of something they don't do? Do you see believers spoken evil of because of something they don't want to practice? And, and when you walk into this world, especially in high school, especially when you're young, you will see that it's not just okay to no longer go. And that's why it gets so hard. Hey, you going tonight? Hey, we're going tonight. You going tonight? I'm not going to, why? Your mom's not that letting you? Your mom's not letting you. I know. It's your, it's your dad. Dad. Your dad's nuts. Yeah, my dad is. But, but that's not it. <laughs> what, what, you got a church event? Holy heller. Yes, I got that. Because you're, and a lot of times to the world, you're you're so dumb and weird and annoying, and out of touch when you say no to this stuff. And child of God, if there's something in you that would rather be defined by them than your heavenly father, you start to get your identification messed up, and this is what scripture calls a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You either serve one master or serve the other. You can't do both. When you said yes to God, there's a Holy Spirit in you going, what? We're called to be remarkable. It is a remarkable party. No, it's not. It could be. I'll just like, go in, and I won't do anything. I'll just walk around with a cup. Don't even go in there. hmm Why? Because you're called to so much more. You gotta know your why to stop. I remember getting a phone call late at night from one of our young guys. Grew up in our youth ministry. Went into the military. He was at boot camp. And he was trying to live for the Lord. He had lived... He had run with the bulls, and he was really cleaned up his life, and he kind of was like even over the top a little bit excited about it. and he had his Bible in his bunk, okay? And, and, and the guys in his boot camp kind of found out that he was kind of saying no to a lot of the stuff they want to do, and uh, one of the areas they really pushed on him is the night he called. He said, uh, uh, pa- Pastor Chris, you up? I'm on the phone, bud. I'm up, okay? Um, they got my Bible. I'm like, what do you mean? They got my Bible. And they were ripping pages out and they're putting um, pornography in the pages of my Bible. So I went to do my devotions tonight. I open up my Bible and there's like pornography all over it. And I hear his voice quiver, because this is a tough kid, this was a tough kid. And when I lay down in my bunk, I hear his voice. They're putting stuff all over the bunk of what they're gonna do to me. They're gonna hold me down, they're gonna make me drink this weekend, they're gonna do all this stuff. And so every night when he's laying in his bunk, he's wondering, what's above it because he's learning something when you say yes to the Lord you often say no to the world and they're not all okay with it I say hey man you are joining in the sufferings of Christ right now I said hang in there I'm praying for you I know this is hard and one of the toughest kids he was weeping because I knew why he was weeping Because that sucker was not gonna back down, and I knew that. And so I knew part of him was wondering, how bad is it gonna get? God has used that in that young man's life, and he is still in love with the Lord, but he learned something. When you say yes, sometimes you gotta deal with the ramifications of saying no. And guess what? I hate to sound this way, but I'm gonna talk like a coach. As a Christian, are you a mental midget? As a Christian, are you mentally weak in these moments? As a Christian, are you mentally easily swayed? Because I can tell you, young people, I was, I failed all the time. I I one of the reasons I'm in ministry is because I was so weak mentally at those times in my life. Because I would rather be identified with the world than Christianity at that time. And I was double-manded. And so I do stuff at night and I go home and I cry in my bed. An 18-year-old hard heart would cry in his bed because the Holy Spirit was going, come on, Chris, you're called to be remarkable. They will give account, all these people who malign you, they'll give an account, they're they're accruing an account, and they're gonna be judged, the living and the dead, that's spiritually alive and spiritually dead, they're all gonna stand before a judge, for this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead. Not, not dead as in life, but spiritually dead. That though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. God gave the gospel out to people who were spiritually dead so that they might spend the rest of their life being alive. Folks, every day you're around people who are moving around, but they're spiritually dead. Here's an illustration for you. It's November, right? Outside, there's leaves falling everywhere. Amen? Oh my goodness, they're everywhere, okay? Clean them up all the time. Have you noticed something? They're full of motion, but they're not alive. You're working with people who are full of motion, but they're not spiritually alive. You're going to school with people who are full of motion, but they're not spiritually alive. Jesus Christ died so that you would have a mental toughness to you and you would live for him in a remarkable life identified solely by him. But he also did that so that you would know when to stop so that this dead leaves around you would see what it looks like to be a leaf attached to the vine of Jesus Christ. You got to know why to stop to be different. You got to know when to stop to be different. In your head, we delay. There's people in here who have heard the gospels hundreds of times, heard the gospel a hundred times, there's still delay, and they have things in their head. You ever hear any of your friends battle with this? But I just want to do me. You ever hear people say that? Hey, I just got to do me. And they're dressed just like their friend next to them. All right, yeah, you're just doing you, babe. I just want to like do what I want to do. Yeah, nobody rebels. I mean, you are such on an island. Nobody does that. I've I, I said I, I even said to my children, I said, I was a youth pastor for 10 years. Everybody gets up and says like, uh, yeah, I walked away from God. I was like, how about somebody get up and say, I didn't walk away from God. I wasn't perfect, but I stayed with the Lord. I said, that's actually uh, being different. Everybody's doing the rebellion thing. So when people say, I just want to do me, that means I just want to do whatever I want to do. Uh, but I want to have fun. I don't want to miss out on fun. I want to be liked. I mean, Pastor Chris, you're killing me. I want to be liked. The Holy Spirit's like going like this about something I did this weekend, but I want to be liked. But, but, but I don't want to miss out. I, I'm kind of afraid that if I say no, I don't even know if my, you don't know my family. i come here, I'm a college student. You don't know my dad. If I say yes to Christ, he's going to spot that. And there's all this stuff going on in our heads. That's the enemy trying to not let you find your identity in Jesus Christ. And in Christ, what you'll find is, I just want to do me. I want to be free. If you want to be free, get in Christ. You don't have to be addicted to all those things. You don't have to be controlled by all those sinful desires. If you you want to have purpose, you might want to have fun. But if you want to have real purpose, it's wrapped up right here. There's a lot of high schoolers who wanted to have fun and they're still at the local restaurant telling everybody what they did on Friday night. You wanna have fun or you wanna have purpose? I wanna be liked or do you wanna be loved? You'll be liked for a season. I wanted to be loved for a lifetime. I don't wanna miss out. I wanted to truly be alive. I want to kind of, I'm kind of afraid. I wanted to have no fear. Truth has to envelop our feelings as we're identified in Christ. Peter gets urgent. the end of all things is at hand. The Christ could return at any moment. He said, we always ought to live in the imminent return of Christ. Therefore, be self-controlled. Don't be intoxicated, be self-controlled and sober-minded, mentally tough for the sake of your prayer life. Yes. As you're sober-minded, Your prayers will be so more in tune to God's. You'll you'll start to desire what he desires. You'll start to ask for things that he would want versus the things that you don't need. So many times people walk around going, I can't focus, I can't focus. You don't understand, I just can't focus. And usually it's because they're focused on worry, fear, what other people will say and think, what could happen if. So they're focused They're just focused on the wrong things. Jesus says, put your focus, focus right here, Peter, excuse me, says, and be sober-minded for the sake of your prayer life. Above all, above all, I want you to keep loving one another earnestly. The idea is a runner sprinting down a track, sweating his tail off. That's how I want you to love people. Not, I only love people if they love me back. No, I want you to love People, administrators are getting a feel for this this past year and a half. Love people, that it's stretching them to love people. Maybe you're a boss and it's, it's like that, or maybe you're in a leadership position, or maybe you're a captain on your high school sports team, or, or maybe you're in a music ministry and you're working with a group. It, it is stretching you. Peter says, come on, keep keep getting stretched since love, love covers so many sins that we often lead ourselves to. Love, it squashes out a lot of selfishness. Love squashes out a lot of worry. Do you ever know love drowns out fear? Love does that. He goes, show hospitality to one another and do it without grumbling. Don't just be hospitable to one another and serve one another with, I can't believe we're doing, I go, we're gonna have the, me, without grumbling, be hospitable. But what's interesting about that word is it literally carries the idea of a love of strangers. Now, I'm not saying stranger danger here, but the idea is this. We are so quick to be hospitable and kind and loving to people who are in our bubble. Is there someone who doesn't think like you that God is asking you to be remarkable with? To have a conversation worth talking about? do it without grumbling. As each has received a gift, he says, I want you to use it to serve one another. Be a good steward of your gift. For God's very grace on you, your gift is being used. And throughout scripture, there's multiple lists of gifts that have been given out to each of his children. So if you're in the body of Christ, you've been given a gift, not to just go run with the bulls. You have tremendous purpose. Maybe some of you have the gift of preaching gifted in speaking forth God's divine will in ways that influence people. Maybe you have the gift of serving, responding to others with practical ways in their times of need. Maybe the Spirit has gifted you with teaching. You're gifted to proclaim God's truth with context and meaning and application. Maybe you've given the gift of encouragement It's not that all of us can't display these things, but you know this, the spirit, and we see this in scripture, has gifted certain one of us in the body of Christ to be especially encouraging, consistently calling people and strengthening others towards God's direction. There are those of us who are especially gifted in giving joyfully and towards the Lord's work, towards leadership. They're gifted in guiding others with wisdom and grace. There's those who are gifted in mercy, one who is gifted in demonstrating empathy towards those in distress, or the gift of helps, those who are extra gifted in the sensing of the need and then coming alongside someone in their time of need. Maybe you've been gifted with faith, one who is gifted in demonstrating unshakable confidence in God despite difficult times. Each child of God's been given a gift and you've been called to use it for yourself, no, to be remarkable. I remember having a really bad attitude about a sports team I was on when I was in high school and sharing my really bad attitude with my dad. And we live in a time period where parents listen to a kid's bad attitude and go, let's go kill the coach for it. But at that time period, my dad would say, well, then you gotta change, son. What? You gotta change your attitude. And one of the things he told me, and I'll never forget, I've used it in leadership. He said, Chris, if everybody behaved like you on the team, what would the team be like? Would the team be a winning team? Would the team be an angry team? Would the team be a selfish team? If everybody behaved like you, when we went through the past two years, one of the things that came to my head, Chris, if everybody behaves like you over the next two years, is that gonna be reflecting of Jesus well? So I didn't think, well, that guy should be doing, or they should be doing, or that person should be doing. I thought, if everybody's behaving like me at the workplace today, what would our workplace be like? would it be remarkable? If everybody behaves like me in the house this afternoon, would it be remarkable? So use your gift. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the revealed word of God or the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves with the strength God supplies. And then he gives a doxology. In order that in everything by God you might be glorified through Christ, to Him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. A remarkable difference in a person occurs because they know why to stop and they think differently. Because I'm in Christ, they know when to stop. The time is sufficient. I've been doing this long enough. And they know what to adopt. I need to arm myself that I'm in Christ. I need to stop doing the things that keep me from standing out for Christ. Why? Because the time is near and I don't want my friend to go to hell. I don't want them to and I don't really have the courage to share the gospel with them yet so I at least need to live a life that's different. I, I, I don't want to see another day go past and this takes an incredible amount of maturity and young people, when I see it in young people, when I see it in college students, I'm personally blown away. And I like praise it to the nth degree because I wasn't able to. I, I was mentally weak. I went with what the crowd wanted to do. I I cared far more about fitting in with the world than living my life for Christ. And I made a determination, right around 20 years old, to say yes to God and say no to other stuff. And there were people who stopped talking to me. There were people like, you're going to a Bible college, dude? What's your problem? In Lancaster, like what's that look like? It's like eh, kind of as bad as you think sometimes. <laughs> I love you, LBC students. I know you're listening. But but I wanted to be. Remor- I wanted to live a life that's different. And so I needed to know what to adopt. What could I do? And Peter gave that. Pull up my slide of the bulls. For some of you in here, you've been running with the bulls a little too long. <laughs> and you know it. I know a young lady who has a scar on her lip right here because she dated a guy that would get intoxicated and punch her right there. Yeah. She was running with the bulls. She's now married to me, though. I know, I, know, um, I know some young people who are tempted to run with the bulls. I've been in youth ministry long enough. I've also been in ministry. I know the allure of it. And, and can I be transparent? It pulls on all of us. I don't care if your dad's a spiritual giant. The world will pull on him too. You got to pray for dad, young person. He's not this rock you think. He's a, he's a man. You got to pray for mom. You gotta pray for grandpa, you gotta pray for grandma. But all those older folks, you gotta be praying for those young people because this world is out to kill our kids at levels I can't imagine, and I'm raising three of them. But young people, if you can hear me without mom and dad listening, they can close their ears. This world has nothing to offer you, but oh, it looks good. And I'm telling you, I know how hard this is. I know what it's like to stare down coffee cake And communion okay although the saltines have been a real uptick for uh, anyway anyway (laughs) delete that this is good I mean I was down at prayer partners and they had coffee cake and they had their communion cups because it's communion Sunday and I'm looking at that and the one guy goes well that's definitely not unleavened bread I said no See, leavened bread was bread that was raised and and it was a symbolic of having sin in it. And I said, oh, there's a ton of sin in there, amen. There's a ton of, (laughs) and that's the battle. It's like, oh, it looks so good, but it leads down such bad paths. And that's why you see adults cry sometimes. Because they know what happened. They just don't want it to happen for you. So if you're out there today, you're going to get invited to run with the bulls at some time. I want to give you a better option as we close. I told you that in Christ, you can walk in victory. You can walk in triumph. Do you know that that's just not something in scripture? There was something called Roman triumphs. Yeah, you don't have to run with the bulls. You can walk with the winners. What? I'm telling you. The triumphs occurred for Roman leaders who were commanders on the field. They had the guts to actually go onto the field with their guys instead of just tell them to go out to war. A Roman triumph was given to those who were on the field, who had completed a war, brought the soldiers home. They had to have beat 5,000 enemies at one engagement in order to get a triumph. And they had to have positive territory gained Positive territory, territory that was given over to the enemy, it had to be won in victory and gained back. Are you hearing the spiritual implications? And the victory had to be over a foreign foe, not civil. We're not fighting each other. If a Roman leader did that, they were given what's called a triumph, and it began with trumpets. Okay? There is a reason one day the trumpets will sound. And when you saw these triumphs, okay, they would come as like this big parade coming into town. I have it like this. It, actually, the triumph goes like this on this illustration here, okay? It, it's like the game Sorry or shoots and Ladders. Remember that? Awesome games, okay. It began, one, with the Senate officials. Gotta let the politicians go first. Then the trumpets... They're blowing the trumpets. Then the white bull of sacrifice. Then the lictors and judicial officials. And then all the spoils of the conquered land. They parade by the people. Look at all this stuff we got from the territory we took back. And and then the captives and princes and generals and chains. Those who they took captives and the generals they took captives. They chained them and they brought them through. And the whole town saw what the triumph declared. Then the priests would come with censers. And they would burn incense so you'd remember. Remember The smell. Smell's your number one memory. And we remember the smell of that Roman warrior. And every time you hear that smell, that smell, you'd go, Oh, that was such and such Roman warrior with his triumph. And then the general would come and he'd be led by four white horses, white, standing for victory that has already been accomplished. And behind that, the general's family, and then the army shouting, Triumph. You can run with the bulls. Ah, ah, look out. Ooh, ha, ha. Dead. Or you can walk in triumph and walk like a winner. Depends where you find your identity. Now, with all that historical information, I want you to read a verse you probably have read before in your life. Here it is. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. What? Yeah. I'm in the procession? And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. My kids are remarkable. And when they do that, it spreads winning smells everywhere. <laughs> and, and for we are the aroma of Christ to God. Oh, he loves when we live remarkably. It smells so good. And we are being saved among those who are perishing. To one, they smell it and they go, oh, that's that smell of victory. I will never walk with them. And to one, they smell it and go, that's the very aroma of my salvation. If we're called to be remarkable, we must find our identity Not in the world, but in Christ. And so when someone says you're stupid for not coming, you go, winners don't come. If someone tells you an idiot or a a churchy boy or girl, you go, winners can take a beating. Winners can. Because their identity is not wrapped up in the bully. Their identity is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. It is November, did you know that? So here's my challenge as you leave today. Since it's November, <laughs> I want you to think of something you're not going to do for the month of November. I I, I I'm a. i am do some. Uh, I love to research and work in in certain leadership avenues where they're always working on better productivity and high-level leadership. And November was inspired by that meeting. And one of the guys said, in November, let's say no to any meeting lasting over an hour and a half. No. You just ask him, how long is the meeting going to be? No. Okay, so November. So they had a lot of Novembers, okay? Don't no brush your teeth, young people, for November. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) But what could we not do? Here's three things to encourage our small groups to talk about. One, what thoughts do you need to stop believing? All of our notes are available on our app. I want you to look through, I feel like a failure, I feel like this, what do you need to stop and go, I am in Christ, I am no longer going to condemn myself in my prayer life. What thoughts do you need to stop believing? We demolish arguments and every pretension set up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought obedient to Christ. What do you need to stop believing about yourself? That does not define who you are. Here's the second one. What what, what behaviors do you need to stop practicing? I need to stop going there. I need to stop doing that. I need to delete that song from my iTunes list. I need to stop this in November. I'm not going to do it for November. Chris, I can't promise you December, but not November. What, what behaviors do you need to stop practicing? I was talking to a couple of people. They said, you know what? I'm going to do no carbonated drinks for November. I'm like, okay, I don't know how spiritual that is, but Okay. I'm sick of feeling like this, all this antacid in me. I'm going, no carbonated drinks for November. No promises in December, Chris. It's Christmas time. I was like, okay, whatever. No. Let us throw off every sin that hinders us and, and let us run with perseverance to marked out. If you're exhausted in your spiritual life, I guarantee you there's a besetting sin that you have to say no to. Third, what practices do you need to start adopting? What if in November you said, I need to read a devotional book again? I haven't done that for a while. You know what? For the month of November, know that music station. I'm going with the worship music for a month. What, what, what behaviors could you start adopting? This November, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to change all the apps on my phone on the front page because I keep going to this app and wasting hours of my life. They say that looking at our phones is up four hours a day since the pandemic, I'm going to change this whole stinking bone around and make life harder on me. Because it's November. And instead of being a dead leaf falling and blowing around the yard, I want you to be attached to the vine. Here's your verse. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you do anything. Without me, abiding in me. The word abide means to stay in the same place for a while. I know you pray on your way in the work. What if you found a chair for the month of November? Abiding in me makes someone at home. Take off your coat, if you will, for Jesus. Don't always be in a rush. Abide in me, it's a call for a daily experience. Maybe in November you say yes to a lot of knows to a lot of stuff and instead say yes to spending time with Christ and watch the remarkable difference that occurs. Heavenly Father, use this to encourage our people. I know you've encouraged me, God. I'm constantly, constantly seeing things, being drawn to things, dealing with things, struggling with attitudes just like everybody else in this room. And I know what it's like to really want to do what's right for you, Lord. But when I try, I just can't seem to get there. But when I give it to you in prayer, and I spend time with you, and I start the day by opening up your word instead of an app, I just find myself abiding in you and not wanting to do the things of the world. Lord, so many people in this room have run with the bulls, and they have... They have the marks to prove it. They've got the wounds. They've been hurt deeply by that. There's probably a young girl in there that's tempted in here that's tempted to run with the bulls or a young guy who's tempted to run with the bulls and maybe your spirit's going, say no this week. Say no. But, but I'm, gonna, I'm gonna probably do it in a respectful and gentle way. Don't be arrogant or cocky or act like you're too good. Just simply say, hey, I'm gonna pass. And Lord, would you show your kids what it looks like to be remarkable and to know you're with them in those moments. Make us mentally tough, give us discipline to say no, and help us to adopt habits that change lives. And this.